edition of Beyond the Pod Show. Uh, joined now by one of my favorites. He is our NBA insider, analyst, go-to reporter, if you will, author of many books. Uh, Brian Winhorse here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank so you. it's been a busy couple of weeks for me. And uh, the last time I had a pod show, I had um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. on, mm-hmm. Ice Cube's son. And we talked about who would be the Lakers' next coach. That was the big story for so many people. But lo and behold, uh, the big story turns out that Magic was like, I'm all set. Oh, that was a big story. Magic was like, you know, I go be here. So <laughs> tell me your thoughts when it happened and uh, what you heard about the, why, the reason why he decided to step down. Well, Look, I think Ty Lue is going to be the coach. Luke was going to get fired, and I think Ty Lue is going to be the coach. And he still might end up being the coach, but I think Magic had made up his mind on that, and I think that's where he was headed. And that's why it caught a lot of people by surprise. Because, like, LeBron had a meeting with him, like, with two who? days before. With Magic. With Magic. Mm-hmm. And they talked about the future. They talked about what they were going to do this summer. They talked about the coaching situation. And, like, normally... LeBron is totally caught up with everything a team does. You know, if he doesn't consult on a deal, he knows about it. He was totally shocked that this happened. And so the only thing I can think is that when he met with Jeannie, what he wanted to do and what Jeannie wanted to do were different. And he was just like, it's not it's not worth it. Okay, so this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that, uh, and this is all, you know, speculation, rumor, probably some truth, probably not, but Magic wanted more power. He wanted, he wanted the GM gone, and he wanted the coach gone, and Jeannie felt like she needed to have some power in that as well. She couldn't just say, here you go, let me turn it over to you, as if she had done with her brother and kind of went hands off. She's probably learned, never going to do that again. Um, if, in fact, that is the case, and, and, and Magic wanted them both gone. Would there be any, in your opinion, any cause to get rid of the GM here? Um, let's put it this way. In recent months, there was a lot of CYA going on within the sure. Lakers. And it was, it was clear that Luke was going to be fired. And the more people you listen to, the more it sounded like Rob Palenka was being set up as the scapegoat. Okay. So... I would not, if you'd have told me that the Lakers were going to make a, a front office change in the offseason, I don't necessarily think I would have guaranteed that Rob might have been let go, but I would have thought that there would have been somebody, a new voice brought in uh-huh. that may have usurped some of Rob's, Rob's power. Okay, you talk about a new voice. We talked about Kobe Bryant. In, the, in, the, in my mind, there's just no way he'd do it. I, I don't think he has the patience. I don't think he's interested. I think this is beneath him in the sense of he's not going to go babysit a bunch of players uh, that are not necessarily that much younger than him. Uh, I don't see him going back to do this. I see he has too many um, other visionary ideas that would, would suit what he wants to do now. Also, it's not a winning hand, Carrie. Like, their situation right now, it's going to take luck and time to get out of it. Yeah. And I don't think Kobe's coming in there. Like, when Kobe went out and said, I want to try to win an Oscar, he looked and saw, where can I maybe do it the fastest. And he saw the sure. documentary. He wants to win. That, that I can work with the best people because they want to work with me and I'll spend money and I will have a great product. He looked at the Lakers right now and I just, even if he had a desire to be in basketball, I don't see this as a time to be in there. Any truth to the fact that the Lakers still run their operation like it's the 80s and they're way behind in terms of technology and advancement than other front offices? I don't know if they're behind, but they don't have the depth they don't have the depth in their scouting department. They don't have the same type of um, of uh, training staff. Like if you if you look at the Lakers staff, you know it's like that long. 
And you look at the Clippers staff, like I'm talking about like in the directory. Uh-huh. The Clippers staff is that long. Uh-huh. And it's not to say that more people means that you're going to be better, but the like other teams have modernized a little bit more. And I the mean, Lakers have not. Yeah, I don't think that the Lakers want for anything. I just don't think that they have the depth that other teams do. They don't have the infrastructure that other teams do. Okay, so here's my, my, my hot, hot, hottest of takes. Genie needs to step up in a major way now because the, we thought we had a win. We didn't. Injuries obviously decimated the team. So what does Genie need to do? The first thing, you talk about them not having the depth that other teams have, and they and they don't necessarily want for anything, but they may have a way of doing things. Obviously, the way is not working anymore. Yeah. So she has to modernize what they're doing. Does she not? I think she needs to hire a president of basketball operations that has a vision of how to build a franchise. Not a vision of who to sign in free agency. Mm. I mean, you need that too. Not a vision necessarily of who to coach, but this is how I'm going to build the scouting staff. This is how I'm going to build the analytics staff. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm going to build the medical staff. This is how I'm going to revamp our advanced scouting. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to do with our assistant coaches. This is what I'm going to do with our development. Who would take that job? Who of note would take that job? It doesn't seem like there's anybody out there. How could they go and get somebody oh. say, I'm going to pay you this much money income? Oh, I think... Pat Riley said no. Yeah, but... Who wants Pat? Nobody wants Pat? I mean, let's put it this way. <laughs> we don't I, want Pat no more. <laughs> if you called... Masai Ujiri, if you call, okay, he take it. We're talking about well, the, he would. The ret- I'll tell you what's like. He'd return your call, okay. You know, okay. Basically, if you went out and said Dennis Lindsay, he's the GM of the. You look out the people who do the best at their jobs. They will return Ujiri. the call and talk. D- yes, absolutely. Any- because the Lakers people want to work and live in Los Angeles. Okay, so that's what are you hearing advantage. about a GM right now? Rob Palinka is doing the gentleman is doing the, the coaching interviews. So he he's staying he's gonna stay on board. He's not going anywhere. If I was a coach, like he was meeting with Monty Williams today, mm-hmm. if I was Monty I'd say, are you gonna be my boss? Mm-hmm. Before we have this conversation and I, I want this job, are you gonna be my boss? Like I almost think like the coaches that they're interviewing would have more questions for the Lakers and the Lakers would have questions for them. Okay, so out of Monty, Jawan Howard, Ty Lu, um who else is out there? What other name are you hearing outside those two names? Any other name? Well, I would just say, let's wait and see who might become available. Okay. There might be some more. We don't necessarily know what coaches are all going to be in jobs. So what are you trying to say? You're trying to say there's somebody who's currently employed outside of Ty Lue, who we see right there, who's worked with who's worked with LeBron, who has a relationship, who won with LeBron. He's not the front runner. Uh, there was He's the front runner. He is. He is the front runner. Okay. Uh, here's my question. And I don't have the answer. I wish I did, Carrie. I wish we could talk about this and I would have all the answers. Uh-huh. Ty Lue was, I believe, going to be the choice for Magic. Okay. Was he also Rob Palenka's choice? No. Oh, the plot thickens. They didn't get along. Maybe guys. maybe he was. <laughs> I'm not saying that he wasn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm just throwing that in there. I'm just saying, like, um, let's say, for example, that this first-round series doesn't go well uh-huh. for the 76ers. All right. We'll talk about Brett. What happens if they make a coaching change? Okay. How does that affect Monty Williams? Does okay. Monty Williams, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying I think that's going to happen, but like, I just think it would behoove the Lakers to have a process. Um, I, I, we got it. We, you know what? You ever work at a company and they keep recycling the same people? We, they have to, they have to move beyond what they know. And it has to be some fresh blood, some fresh talent, and they have to bring in some fresh blood. I just, fresh they talent. need someone to build. And I don't want to hear about Phil Jackson. I don't want to hear about any of these people. Right. I'm, I'm like, let's move on. Well, if Rob Palinka is the guy who can build an infrastructure and build an organization, then okay. But he's had the job for two years, and that's not happening. And I don't think he can because he has so many personal vendettas against him. It, re- it, it impedes the process. He was an yeah. agent. 
So it impedes the process for him to actually be good at what he can do or try to do what he wants to do. It's like having a president in power, but you're not, you know, you're a Democrat and everybody's running, who's running the Senate and, and running Congress, they're all right. re- Republicans. He has all these different people who don't. Well, if you look at what happened with Bob Myers in the Golden State, who actually would be a good candidate. A former Bruin. Shout out to Bob. Hey. Who would actually mm-hmm. be a good candidate if the mm-hmm. Lakers wanted to steal somebody. Mm-hmm. He when can't he, put them. When he went to Golden State. Well, what I think is a dangerous, carry is that everybody will call the Lakers back because at the very least... They're getting, Out of respect. They're getting contract extensions. Yeah. Because, like, you know, hey, the Lakers called and asked permission. Contract extension. Yeah, yeah. Five you know? more years, buddy. Right. Yeah. Um, when Bob was went from being an agent to being a general manager, he went and learned for a little while in Golden State. He didn't just hand him the job immediately. Sure. He transitioned over after sure. a while. Sure. That's, again, I don't know why the Lakers didn't do that with Rob. Rob maybe could be a great GM in time, but he's not now. They didn't do it with Rob because Kobe loved him. That's why. And Kobe's word is golden. What do you mean? I know. And and Kobe is an incredible basketball player. Doesn't mean he knows how to build an organization. Yeah. And this is this is like kind of the problem with the Lakers. Uh, Jeannie and everybody loves Jeannie. Yeah, she's great. She's I mean, amazing. Really, you can't find anyone in the NBA to say anything bad about her. Because she's amazing. Right. I won't say anything bad about and her. And not only that, she's in a male-dominated world. Yeah. I mean, I can't say enough about her, but she hired one of her father's closest friends to be the president. She hired one of Kobe's closest people to be the GM. No. Nope. And she hired one of Phil Jackson's closest people to be the coach. Two. Okay, so we're yeah. going out. We're going outside of the house. We're leaving. We're leaving the the the, the incestuous affair known as friends and family, and we're not going to give that discount to anybody any, anymore. And we're going to look for more people. That that's should be the, the, the. That's rule what I'd like them to do, but yet we have Ron Plink out there doing interviews. Oh God! All right. So that's that's my concern. I don't know. That that and, and when Jeannie has been questioned about this yeah. in public a couple yeah. of times mostly what she's done is pushed back at the critics sure and I understand that I understand in, in her right. position she's criticized a lot she's been criticized her whole life I well, get, I welcome get to, welcome to being a woman in sports sir we right. get it right but I, I think she needs to stop worrying about the criticism and stop worrying about the media and trying to do what's right for organization. what's right for the team let's transition so we're in the playoffs and uh, by the time it's airs you know we'll, we'll, some people will be you know two all some people will be you know who knows I don't know where we'll be we'll find out I don't know I guess it airs, it airs soon we'll okay. say that on the podcast <laughs> uh, I want to talk about this first round I'm surprised by the Clippers and their comeback win uh, obviously the largest postseason comeback win in NBA history but Lou Williams said something that I wanted I want you to and maybe you can tell me this by watching the Clippers. Lou Will said this is the team they've been all season long. They just now have an opportunity to do it on a national stage. Is that true? Are the Clippers really a team of little a blue-collar team of really gritty players that can get the job done and perhaps take this to six, maybe seven? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, early in the season I would be going to games here in LA. I'd be going to Clipper games. Clipper games are a lot easier to attend than Laker games. A lot less hubbub, even though they get great crowds. And I would go to see the other team. I was like, I remember like the second week of the season, I went to see the Wizards play at the Clippers. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm going to go watch the Wizards play. Uh-huh. And because uh, I thought the Wizards would be a contender in the East. Uh-huh. And I watched the Clippers play and I was like, you know what? Because it was like the third game I went to. I went to some preseason games and I was like, I kind of like the way this Clipper team plays. I kind of like Montrez Harrell. I kind of like, you know, what this, what, the, what they've got going on. I like Tobias Harris. I, uh-huh. And I kind of like accidentally fell for the Clippers. Mm. And... I will say this. They did not finish very strong. Mm-hmm. They had a bad loss, a couple of bad losses in the season. They blew a game to the Lakers. They had a big lead against the Lakers, second to last week of the season. And they slipped to the eighth seed. I actually thought 
And at one point, they were in the six. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a chance they might get Portland, who had just injured, had just had their center hurt, and I thought, well, maybe. So... While I respect the Clippers, and I probably went to 15 Clipper games this year and watched them and talked to their people and was very familiar with them, I thought they kind of limped into the playoffs. Okay. So I am a little bit surprised that they are 1-1, but the way they play is this. Because here's the thing, Carrie. By the way, they're surprised they're 1-1. Yeah, they they would say. (laughs) They have to play full full speed. Sure. Because they're not good enough to play half speed. But they're young enough to do it, so that's why I find that it'll be interesting. We ultimately think the Golden State will have no problem, but I think yeah. this will make it an interesting series, at least to watch the first round. It's not the I, 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 you know, what I want, the, the year that the Golden State went 16-1, yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. I want them to have to work for it. Yeah. And I think we're going to see some good series in these playoffs. All right. Last, uh, not even last but not least, I have to ask you this. Um, and I would be, there's always the antics, right? So we see Patrick Beverly doing what he does best. I think he needs, I think there needs to be an award created for his shenanigans because he <laughs> takes people out of the game. And I appreciate because he's like, that's what I do. I don't have any other role but to do this. It's not like this is a surprise when the coach puts me in the team. He's like, I need you to go out there and go at the most emotional player on the team. In this case, it would be KD and it worked. Um, and, and, and KD is far too valuable to let that get to his head but you know Patrick uh, Beverly I don't know you don't think he's valuable talk to me tell he's me. valuable but you can get his head like if you're evaluating KD let's say you're sitting down and saying alright we're going to play KD for seven games here how do we stop him do we have anybody who's seven foot and can play all these different positions no do we have anybody who possibly can bother him physically no you can't handle him yeah, so physically. Yeah, mentally is how that's you That's the only him. way you can attack right. him. Okay. Maybe I didn't say so, that. That's what I right. I'm in agreement. Yes. So like I remember a couple years ago, he he was playing for Oklahoma City. They played Memphis in the first round. Tony Allen, another undersized guy from Chicago, like Patrick Beverly, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm gonna get in his head. And he he did it differently than Beverly. He wasn't a pest. He just stuck on KD. Like no matter where KD went, he was up on him. Punching him, not punching, but shoving him, bouncing off of him, you know, holding him, grabbing him, pulling him down. And KD was just off. Oh, yeah. Like for four, four and a half games, KD was off. In fact, the Oklahoman, he was about to win the MVP award. The uh-huh. Oklahoman ran a headline that said, Mr. Unreliable. I remember. And they had to apologize because that hurt his feelings too. Yeah. So it <laughs> took to game six. Game six, he had 36. Right. So, look, but they've already, the blueprint is out there, how to get in his head. Right. And it's, it's interesting. So we'll see how that all, that will all play out. But in general, I have, a, I have a hard time and I sound like the lady who knows everything, but I have a hard time <laughs> with this group of players. Like, Amir, on your phone? And I appreciate Doris saying something like this. We're, you're in the middle of a playoff game. You guys are favored immensely over the Nets and you're on the side of the bench. You sit with, Joel and Beat and you're on your phone. This, what kind of new kid is this? And I'm being kind by saying new kid. That's the word that I'm using. Who does that? Well, it's here's the thing. Tell me, it's just thing. not a good look. Like it's not like a, a, a sin that you should he should be suspended or anything, but it's not a good look. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? So let's listen to what Doris Burke said, and I, and I want you to be and I want you to give me your opinion. I want you to, to pretend like we're not on a pod show and this won't come back to haunt you. So listen to what Doris said, and I'll okay. talk to you afterwards. This is really troublesome to me. Amir Johnson is not active, but he is on the bench. That's his cell phone. And I can't definitively say, but all of us know what a text message looks like. Like, what is that thing doing out to me? And why is Joel Embiid looking at it? 
It's really troublesome. She's such an elegant lady. Doris, hey, we love you. It's not troublesome. It's sad. Like, how is that okay? Why is your phone there? How come? And and, and what is? And he said ultimately, whether this is true or not, his daughter was sick. But I, I have a hard time understanding why is your phone out. Well, the security guard was sitting right next to him, uh-huh. and typically in a situation like that, if you have sort of, you know, sometimes players have wives or girlfriends who are pregnant, and there's potential emergencies on the bench we have to leave, typically mm. the security, team security guard is your contact. So I don't know how ill Amir's daughter was, and we hope that she's okay. I do. If, if there was a potential emergency, the contact would typically be that security and he was sitting right next to the security guard typically that's how it would be i'm positive the sixers have a rule about cell phones everyone does right okay Uh, so listen i he gets he has to take an l for that and i and i hope in fact it was about his daughter what was he going to do then was he going to get up and go i was going to text back i would say is this um the Sixers, I don't think, came into that entire game with the right mindset. I agree. And, it, and, and the fact that Amir Johnson has his phone in his pocket isn't why they lost the game. No. But it's reflective of the way they approached the game, which was not to be razor sharp because this is the playoffs. So are you telling us not to trust the process? They already abandoned the process. Okay. They traded away all okay. the antics <laughs> and everything like that. Um, it's more like every player on a team has a role. Okay. You know this. Okay. And his role on that team is to do something. Maybe it's to call out switches. Maybe it's to keep a particular player involved in the game. Maybe it's to talk to Joel during timeouts and say like that. But even though he's inactive, he has a role. And you want him to play that role. And it may not ultimately matter in the grand scheme of things, but you want everybody on that bench to do something. He was not focused, and that affected Embiid. And that affected the rest of the team. And I don't want to go, I don't want to go overboard, but yeah, it's more, it's more emblematic. Emblematic of who of they the are. the way they were thinking about the game. Uh, speaking of emblematic, I think that uh, as we end on something that's near and dear to you and and to me, because he is now a Laker, uh, you have a book a book out called LeBron Inc. And it's talking about the making of a billion dollar athlete. That's that's impressive. Um, so I, I have to talk to you about what the book is about, but I want to talk about the book on this backdrop. Um, this is the first time LeBron has had an early summer, if you will. Um, it's early spring. Early spring, yeah. And, and and people are, are questioning, you know, whether or not he's the greatest. He couldn't do this. Injuries were, they're, they're overlooking all the injuries. The injuries decimated the team. He was carrying that team. And and no one expected them to get past the first round, maybe the second if they were lucky. Um, and so, and then, you know, obviously the AD rumors, that was it. They admitted that was it. The team lost focus. So, so as you talk about this billion-dollar athlete, LeBron Inc., do you believe coming to L.A., in any way or shape or form, minus the injury, affected his focus. So coming to L.A. was not a, a holy basketball decision. Clearly. And I think when you say that, people try to use that against LeBron. Like, oh, you didn't care about basketball. You came here just to be in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And LeBron can point back and say, well, we were going to do Space Jam 2 this summer no matter what. I didn't need to live in L.A. to do Space Jam 2. I didn't need to live in L.A. to have a media company. That's true. But this was not a holy basketball decision, and he was banking on the Lakers' all-time history and tradition and drawing power of himself to be a two-year process to build. But by the way, when he came to Cleveland the last time, 
that wasn't all about basketball. There were better places where he could have played better basketball. That team was terrible. They had the. It was about building a legacy. Right. It was that that, that they had the number one pick in the draft for a reason because they were awful. Now he built them quickly, and maybe he was a little bit overconfident that he could build the Lakers quickly. He would show up here and everything would be fine, just like it happened in Cleveland. And maybe he was just guilty of a little bit of overconfidence with that. Sure. But I, I think saying that he came here for his family and for his business isn't necessarily a bad thing. I don't think anything is wrong with that. I think what you probably touched on is probably fair. Maybe he was a little too confident in the fact that he thought he can come here and turn things around. I I know personally he thought he pro- it would take a minute to get a chip. Yeah. Maybe two seasons. Right. Two or three. Yeah. To get to get, to you get. know, you, you did an interview with LeBron last year, LeBron and Durant. One of the most revealing interviews he's ever done. He's done probably in the last five years, I would say. Mm-hmm. That's the most honest I've ever seen him. Yeah. Um, you were driving a, a car in the snow in mm-hmm. Akron, which... I'm a perfect driver. Much respect in the snow. Okay. <laughs> Listen to... I, I, would it be amazing if we had taken 18-year-old LeBron uh-huh. and showed him that interview? Hmm. He would not have recognized what he possibly... No way. It was an incredible interview where he didn't just talk about basketball, but he talked about what he wants to do as a person, how he wants to affect society. It was really, and at one point in the interview, Durant, I mean, it, you know, it was edited, obviously, and you heard the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Durant, like, basically turned to him and was listening mm-hmm. because he was almost instructing Durant. And that's kind of what this book tells, is how he got from the teenager who had a lot of pro, who had a lot of promise, mm-hmm. super-duper talented, mm-hmm. to this guy who has control over basketball, has control over business, has control over charity, his foundation. Mm-hmm. He's not perfect, Mm-mm. but he's really gotten come a long way. And so if you were wagering, you would wager that he would figure this out in L.A. Oh, I think he will figure it out in L.A. But what you just said about him not being perfect, I think we don't give him any room not to be. That's true. And so that's why when we, he has a few stumbles, I mean, heaven forbid he didn't make the playoffs in L.A. It is stunning. It it is stunning. But there's a lot of things that were happening. I feel like there were a lot of forces working in place that no one even talks about. When I talked about... Rob Palenka having enemies. There's a reason why all that information was being leaked about how that that how that entire AD situation was going down. And they wanted the team to implode and they wanted the boys to handle it that way. And unfortunately, my only my only thing about LeBron that I would say was that I don't know if he handled the the the, the fracturing of the locker room well. That would be the only thing I would say where he needs to improve because if he could have got a hold of them and and really got them mentally together and said, "Listen, Y'all got to figure this out. Like, understand, this is the business. I haven't been involved in that way because of the type of player I am, but it is not personal. And if you don't learn this game quick and put your head back down and show everybody you're worth something, then you're gonna you're not going to be able to succeed. And that, to me, was his responsibility. It was Magic's responsibility. It was a lot of people who dropped the ball there. And I think everyone's egos got involved. You have this, this Laker great. You have Rob Palenka, who thinks he's a great in his own right, too. And then you got LeBron. He's like, I ain't worried about these people. Get AD here. The other thing that happened is... You tell me. Typically, all of the headaches that LeBron gives during the season, like when he maybe upsets his teammates with stuff, upsets his coaches, sure. under you know passive aggressiveness, he will have a playoff run, and he will lead his team in this playoff run. And they like, and they'll all forget, good. And they'll forget yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. like they'll forget about that week in January yeah. Yeah, where yeah. he had the bad tweet. Yeah. Or they'll forget <laughs> about that... That that uh, stare, you know, that, that he sat four rows down from the, from Luke Walton in yeah, February. Sure, but he didn't get that opportunity this mm-hmm. year. 
he didn't get the opportunity to sort of write that check. Yeah. Um, and not only that, yeah, typically good. his teammates and coaches get contract extensions, get shoe endorsement deals, get commercials. Yeah, they get the come up. They want to yeah. come up. Get yeah. rings. Yeah. They didn't get that. The bonus. Th- the bonus this year that yeah. makes them forget it. And that is part of the LeBron package that. You, you know, know how when you go to these fancy Hollywood parties and they, and they, and they you, have Well, these, you go to them. You have these, these, these rooms you go to and then you just take all these free goodies. You're yeah. like, I'll take this iPhone. I'll take this radio. They get any of the goodies. They didn't yeah. get their, what do you call that? The swag. Yeah. The, the swag didn't come through this year. So. <laughs> You know, like last year yeah. was a rough regular season for the Cavs. Sure. And LeBron was a beast for two months. Yeah. And when they were holding that Eastern Conference trophy in Boston and they won game seven, nobody could remember. Yeah, you're right. And the Lakers' right. last memory is of LeBron drinking wine ah, walking into the arena. Lay sigh, lay sigh. Um, all right. So, listen, LeBron Inc. available now. Um, thanks for having me. I, listen, thanks for coming on the show. I want everyone to go out and get it. How, how much does it cost? Can I get this one for free? Well, what if you go on Amazon, you can get it for a discount probably. Well, how much do you think? I don't even have any idea how much. This it says two ninety nine. Two ninety nine? No, heck no. Uh, <laughs> by the audio book, it's beautifully read by a wonderful actor who has a better voice than me. Really, you did your own audio book? Because I did, you know, I did the audio book last time. Oh god, it was three days. It was oh. exhausting. Oh, I didn't the think problems. I sounded very well. Oh, the problems. You didn't even ask me to do it. Oh, the problems of being so fancy. Did Guys, can I say something? Yeah. Your signature is everywhere. It's, I'm fancy too. It's a fantastic signature. Oh, is that your real signature, or did you create that signature? For See you show? next time. It's my real signature.